everybody. Welcome to Rumors versus Facts. One of these days, I'm going to update that intro to say 8.30 because that is the supposed start time of this show. It's all Jed's fault, as usual. Or if not, Jed will also blame Trent. I'm never at fault. It's never my fault. It's always somebody else's. Uh, we re really appreciate you tuning in. We just uh, were a little bit late because we were dealing with some very tragic news uh, that came out from the University of Georgia that uh, longtime UGA owner, UGA the mascot owner, Sonny Siler has passed away. And uh, we know the Siler family very well. And that is a tragedy. Tragedy is very, uh, it's heartbreaking. I feel like I just saw him. I guess it must have been G Day, but I feel like I'd seen him since then. Uh, Sonny is, he means a lot to this program. He means a lot to the university. He's been a fantastic ambassador, as has his family, uh, Swan and folks over in the Siler household, uh, our hearts go out to them. And uh, if we're a little distracted, it's because, uh, you know, that's, that it's just tragic news right to, right as we are supposed to kick this off. So uh, Godspeed to Sonny Siler and our thoughts with uh, the Siler family. And uh, we know we will pass along yours as well. If you have any uh, condolences you want to put in the comments, We'll try to gather those up and let everybody know, uh, let the silos know. So uh, we appreciate it. All right, guys, uh, as I kind of like to do on each week's show, while I'm your temporary host until we get a better one, uh, I kind of like to say, let's look at the 2024 class and the remaining targets. Now, Trent put up his predicted class of predicted signing class, and it's a very nice format. If you go to the front page of UJSports.com, it went up yesterday, and it's by position, what Georgia has and who they might add to that. And it's a very nice piece, very easy to read, very easy to come up with. Trent did a great job on it. But right now, things are kind of status quo, unless I'm wrong. I mean, is uh, Chris Cole about to commit? McCray about to commit? Kind of get me up to date, guys, so that the folks who are like, hey, I want to know the latest, who's about to commit, kind of get us caught up to date. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 so weird because, you know, the, the class is, for the most part, there's so much hay in the barn already. You know, you mentioned Chris Cole. He's committing September 10th. Um, you know, LJ McCray is looking like October. We don't, we're not hundred percent sure on that, but that's what we think. Um, you know, Cam Michael is a guy who didn't really have a timeline. Uh, Trent, I was asking you about this earlier. It just, I have a feeling Georgia's not going to get Cam Michael. I've just got a, a feeling in, uh, in my gut about it. So, but, um, but he's a guy George going after to fill one of those DV spots. Um, Aiden Breland is another guy Georgia looks in a good spot for, and he says he wants to wrap things up soon. He has a decision, you know, he thinks he's coming down to the end, but no date set. So Chris Cole is, is September 10th and nothing really after that. As far as movement, you know, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the dead period right now. No visits. Coaches aren't getting on campus. So if there is going to be movement, I mean, I guess it'll, it'll be coming soon, but there's just so few guys left right now, I think. It's it's pretty much gonna be status quo until until these guys commit and or get back on campus again, which which could start as soon as this weekend. Yeah, I think the next big thing to look for is you're looking at uh, Chris Cole. Of course, his announcement coming September 10th, but also does he get on a campus before uh, that visit? So I think uh, that would be this coming weekend. Will he make a visit this coming weekend before he makes his announcement on uh, September 10th, which is the following uh, weekend? So I think that's something to watch there. And of course, Aiden Breland, um, you know, you never know when he's going to announce. He says he's uh, about ready. Um, that could pop, you know, anytime 
uh, over the next month, I would say. So I think he's close. Uh, you know, I'm still looking at uh, Georgia's open week there. Uh, I know his teammate, Nate Frazier, is, it will be at the South Carolina game uh, for an official visit. And I'm just, you know, you know, kind of checking back and forth. And there, there's no confirmation on it uh, whatsoever. But uh, it would not surprise me at all if Aiden Breland made a visit that weekend and his teammates already come in Athens for an official visit. So um, that'd be something to watch as well. All right. So that's there's not a lot of movement in the 2024 class, but let's talk maybe about some of the people that we saw this weekend and maybe some of the 2025 prognostications that have come in. I thought there was, I think it was a pretty big one that came in uh, since our last show. Uh, of course, well, there was, you know, uh, uh, Juju Lewis commits to USC. And we can talk about 2026 guys here in a bit, but 2025 future cast. We had a pretty big one come in from Adam Friedman. Tell us about it, Jed. Yeah, he put in a future cast for Georgia to land um, David Sanders, who is the number one offensive player. You know, Elijah Griffin from Savannah is the number one overall prospect. David Sanders right behind him, number two overall, number one offensive prospect, obviously number one offensive tackle. And, you know, Georgia has always been there with David Sanders. And for all the Stacey Cyril's haters out there, you know, he, he has told us that that has – that boosted Georgia up in his recruitment when Georgia hired Stacey Searles. He's been on campus. He was on campus uh, this summer. He he came out on the Georgia towel and the Georgia gloves for his season opener. And, um, you know, it's not done. This isn't a thing where he's got a commitment date coming up and, and all the, the reports are it's Georgia. But this is a, you know, Friedman put this in with noting that all the momentum is trending Georgia's way right now. He did mention Alabama as a team to watch. Um, you know, obviously Clemson is, is going to go for him, but, um, you know, Georgia is, I mean, the phrase that Friedman uses in this story is, um, it feels like Georgia is the school standard just comparing all others to. So when you've got a guy who everyone in the country wants and you're the school that, that has kind of the measuring stick, so to speak, uh, that that's certainly a reason to feel good about it. So I'm sure he'll be back on campus this fall at some point. But, um, yeah, like you said, the big news is, is Adam Freeman, who that's Adam's area, right? He's he's the Carolinas guy, so he would he would know the recruitment of David Sanders pretty well. Uh, he, he put in a future cast for the Bulldogs. Trent, Georgia's looking to land six offensive linemen in this 2024 class. Does Sanders take a look at that at all and go, man, no, you got too many tackles. Um in other words, I, I'm not trying to be negative, but I'm just thinking it's really tough to land the number one offensive tackle after you bring in six offensive linemen, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, depth's definitely an issue. Georgia loses a lot after this year. And, that's, I, that's think, point, yeah. and I think the fact that uh, none of those six are going to be counted on probably to play early because of the depth Georgia has uh, currently. And I know that he gripes that Kirby gripes about depth. And I know these six are needed for that definite uh, offensive tackle position. But I think it, it's almost like David Sanders would come in on an uh, even playing field as these six, even though they're a year ahead. So I don't think they're – you know, I, I, w- I wouldn't put that against them. I would look more so at the sophomore and junior classes to see, uh, you know, ha- it, does George, is Georgia starting two sophomores at tackle? Or, is, you know, is George, how, how stacked are those classes instead of, the you know, the six guys ahead of him? Because um, David Sanders would certainly be ranked higher than any of those guys uh, – that, that Georgia has in this class. Not to say that he's got, you know, higher potential, but um, he would be ranked higher. This is the number one uh, – you said number one offensive tackle. But he's the number two player in the nation. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty pretty impressive. But Jed, you went and saw the number one player. There's only one player in our rankings that's higher than him, and you went and saw him. Uh, I know he's coming to play at Marist this weekend, and maybe uh, one of us will get over there and see him. And uh, everybody, welcome yeah. Lance, who joined us. Uh, shout out to Lance McCurley. But you're fired. You're late. <laughs> hey, everybody in the uh, comment section, roast Lance. Make fun of his haircut, those stupid glasses, or something like that. Just, just ripping a new one. It's all bad. Yeah, but uh, Jed, you went to see Elijah Griffin, the number one player in the nation. Uh, I thought the story you had on him over the weekend. And here's the thing: I know our readership Monday is through the roof. Tuesday is a little bit lower. Wednesday is high. Thursday is high. Friday afternoon, all you guys are supposed to be work. You're not working. You're reading UJ Sports. Saturday it drops, unless it's a game day. So we had this story over the weekend. So maybe not everyone saw it, but you had a pretty good story there with Elijah Griffin. Tell us what uh, what you saw and um, what he had to say. Yeah, number one player, defensive tackle, defensive end. I mean, he'd be a three-tech in Georgia system, the, the Jalen Carter kind of role. And he's – you know, he, he didn't play the – the stiffest competition uh, to be, to be quite honest, but I mean, he still has those plays where he just, he looks like a man amongst boys. He just, he had one play where he just walks the lineman probably five, six yards straight back to the quarterback. He had one that the tweet I posted where he gets in the backfield tackles a kid for a loss. He's, you know, he's almost like that Jalen Carter in terms of if he wants to get in the backfield, you're, you're just not stopping him. That's not to say he takes plays off or, is lazy or whatever. It's just when he flips that switch, you're, you're not stopping him. And he, he moves well. He's, I want to say he said he's about 285 right now. I think he said about six foot five. So good size to, he's one of those guys who projects to play three tech, but could kick in if needed, could kick out if needed. Uh, and obviously his, his weight's going to change when he gets to Athens too. But as far as Georgia goes, you know, Georgia was his first offer in the eighth grade. So that relationship has been there. Trey Scott has done a, Phenomenal job recruiting him, recruiting uh, his mother. Uh, Glenn Schumann is in contact frequently as well. So, um, you know, Georgia is right in it. Georgia's in it. It's South Carolina has done a great job as well. Clemson is in it. He had a Clemson headband on the other night. So, go on, Clemson. You know, yeah, exactly. Um, Now, when I saw him, I did an interview with him on video, and I was like, dude, I don't just, I don't care where you go. Could you please do me a solid? take the Clemson headband off just so I don't get a bunch of grief for this. But um, <laughs> I think speaking with him, like I've, I've spoken with him a decent amount and I get the feeling he he wants to play close to home. You know, he's very close with his family. That helps. Um, he's very close with Georgia defensive lineman Warren Brinson, who played at Savannah Christian before he went to Nolan Smith is obviously from Savannah as well. So uh, there's a lot of things working in Georgia's favor. I don't, I wouldn't say he's a lock necessarily but if, if you made me pick today i'd probably pick georgia just because of the job trace god has done building these relationships for i mean going on two years now i'm just trying to think what would um what it would look like if georgia if they let's say the rankings stayed the same elijah holds on to number one uh, number one david sanders holds on to number two georgia signs the number one player number two player opposite sides of the ball in the trenches thoughts yeah i mean it's and you know you talk about that you know kirby's message is the whole iron sharpens iron and you practice against the best every day that's a good pitch like if you're david sanders say hey you're going to work against elijah griffin every day if you're elijah griffin you're going to work against david sanders and i think too 
they, Georgia's got Justice Terry committed. Trent, I know you've seen Justice Terry at the Under Armour thing over the summer. Justice Terry is a monster. So if you pair Justice Terry with Elijah Griffin, two guys who, you know, both, I don't know where Justice is in the rankings right now, both can end up top 40-ish guys at the same, more or less the same position. I mean, that's talking about a, um, you know, a, a game-wrecking class along the defensive the defen- defensive front. That's certainly a start. Justice Terry is currently at 67 um, very well. Uh, could be higher than that based on what it, uh, what I saw at IMG earlier this uh, spring. So, yeah, I mean, ju- pairing those two guys up would just be unfair, uh, <laughs> to put it short, uh, especially with the guys that George has brought in on edge a couple uh, the past couple of years. And, um, you know, they, they got to um, – they just got – they continue to rebuild on that defensive front. And if they, you know, add in those two guys, it's just uh, – would would just be insane. Um, it, you know, it's funny that you mentioned South Carolina as being a team to beat because this is like the fifth or sixth highly rated prospect that lists South Carolina as one of their top schools. Jonte mm-hmm. um, uh, Gil- uh, Gilbert, um, Ryan Montgomery, uh, just to name a few. So that's interesting to see um, – South Carolina doing work on the trail in this 25 class. And I love if you're looking at the screen for those who are listening, listening to the podcast, I apologize because you can't see this, but on the right-hand side of the screen, we have all the future cast activity and it just blows my mind to see Adam Friedman with his forecast there for David Sanders Jr., another five-star. And as uh, Andy Stowe says, the possibility of coming off a three-peat and then all of a sudden you start landing. If you land Dylan Raiola, if we'll assume it's the same, Bill Raiola stays number one player, then you get the number one player next year and the number two player. You know, other fan bases are just going to quit. They're like, screw this. this. There's this. There's no winning against Kirby Smart. It could just be. I guess, it would just be disheartening for some of these other fan bases. Going, man. You know, well, it's the same thing that it felt like Nick Saban did that every year. It felt like he won a championship and then had the number one recruiting class for 15 years. I know it wasn't that long, but it. Damn sure felt that way. I mean, th- th- there was a span of about five years where they said, "I mean, I, I, I mean, I wish we could do what Alabama does. I wish we could do what Alabama does." And now look, now look what look where Georgia's at. What ten years, twelve years later, and yeah. all the other schools are looking at Georgia and saying, "Dang, I wish we could replicate what they're doing." Yeah, so. uh, Lance, tell me if you get this feeling, but when I talk to uh, other fan bases, they mm-hmm. do talk about Georgia right now the way. Georgia fans and everybody else talked about Alabama, what, say 10 years ago, eight years ago. It's just you're looking for a, a weakness in the armor. And even if there, if there is a weakness, like right now, hey, what's Georgia going to do with safety? Mm-hmm. Uh, before that would be an issue because you knew you couldn't address it for maybe one or two years. You had to bring somebody in and then uh, uh, hope that they developed quickly. Now you can go to the transfer portal and address any weaknesses. And this is not a team that has a lot of weaknesses. I was on 11 Alive earlier, and I said, look, right now, I don't see a weakness on the defense um, and the offense. Maybe you're you're thin at running back, but you still have running backs that would start pretty much anywhere. Uh, you're in, you're not four deep. Oh, no. You know, you, you you don't have four tight ends, scholarship tight ends, but you do have the number one guy. So it's just uh, – I, I know you travel a lot. You talk to fans not only of Georgia but other schools. What's the uh, – what are you hearing out there? Just kind of in terms of, you know, like you, like you mentioned, you know, four or five years ago, right as Kirby was getting started, you make the point that, you know, now, I mean, I, even Clemson, Clemson was getting guys, but now Georgia is more of a national brand, in my opinion, 
and then being able to pull guys from from all over. And, you know, that's kind of ticking off the people in, you know, California who are USC fans and maybe UCLA that, you know, Georgia's going to go in and get some of these, uh, you know, kids as they have. And then, um, you know, even in, even in Florida, it's been a it's been a huge been a huge recruiting hotbed for Georgia. So I think it probably ticks fans off a little bit more than, uh, you know, now that, you know, that maybe it's not the passing of the torch, but it's just, uh, you know, Georgia being able to uh, expand their brand and, you know, develop talent and being able to, you know, win back-to-back national championships. I think it's uh, it's showing definitely on the trail. Yeah, we're seeing it on the trail as well. Uh, kids talk about Georgia the same way. Um, Trent was with me that uh, – We've been out there when the kids said, I've got offers from South Carolina, Clemson, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, USC, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Like, okay, well, you got 25 offers. Who else do you want? I want Bama. I mean, without missing a beat, I have a top five. Uh, is Bama in your top five? No, because they haven't offered. Mm-hmm. If they offer, will they go in your top five? Yes. Now we're starting to see that same thing about Georgia. I talked to a number of kids who are like, I'm waiting on that Georgia offer. And it's not that even the kid would come to Georgia if offered. It's that validation that mm-hmm. you've got that Georgia offer. That was a thing for Alabama. And kids would say it's the gold standard. If you get that Alabama offer, it's like that is the official stamp of approval. Even if you're not going to Alabama, but you wanted it. So now we're seeing that with Georgia, and it's uh, it's pretty fun to watch. We're, see, we're seeing that, plus we're seeing that the hats on the table when it comes to – and you might have had oh, – a camp offer three years ago and your offer shows up on these, uh, uh, these recruiting websites uh, on their profile. But when it comes time to announce all of a sudden that hats on the table to make it look a little bit better. And uh, you're seeing that a lot more with Georgia hats being on the table when somebody yeah. announced the other day. And I was like, who the heck is like, I don't think he has no chance in hell of going to Georgia. He could stand it. He could, Kids will put out these these top fives or top sixes, and, and Georgia will be in it. You're like, who is this kid? And it's a guy Georgia hasn't really pursued, and and kid might not be a take or whatever. But like you said, Georgia is the validation. Georgia is the the clout that a kid will put in his his finalist or whatever. To you know, even like you said, if there's no chance of him going there, it's still the the validation of, hey, I've got an offer from Georgia. And you're also going to have the headlines. So-and-so chooses this school yes. over Georgia. And I exactly. think that's that's where the – oh, you, cho- you chose them over the national champs. I mean – Yeah, I, I remember uh, God, when I first got into the business, there was somebody who would uh, go into the database whenever a kid did not pick a nearby school and remove the offer in the database saying as if the school never wanted that kid. And I'm glad we fired that person many, 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 many years ago. But I'm like, dude, don't don't get upset that the kid's not coming to your uh, school. And then when that school started winning a lot, you know, there was this person with a different network. He would have complained that, oh, that kid never had a chance to come to this school. I'm like, man, welcome to what Florida went through in the 90s, as they were pointing out. Welcome to what Alabama's going through. And the headline would be, you know, uh, three-star kid from uh, New Jersey, cor- you know, cornerback, picks Rutgers over Alabama. I'm like, bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and he got mail from Alabama, but, you know, that's uh, that's how it goes. Uh, so we're talking about things that we've seen on the trail. Uh, that uh, Elijah Griffin wasn't the only person you went to see, Chad. Tell us about some of the other guys you saw this weekend. 
Who did? Oh, Demelo. I totally forgot. Uh, yeah, Demelo Jones. You, see, you got this crazy highlight Demelo, video, man. Like I was like, where where did I go? Uh, yeah, Demelo Jones is is uh, a monster. Um, you know, I saw him in the state championship last year, and he. It was funny. So he he cramped up in the state championship game. Didn't have a good game, and I actually spoke with some people at Swainsboro, and they said, "Yeah, well, you know why he cramped up, don't you?" And I was like, "No, not really." And they said he got a massage the night before the game. He wanted to make sure he was extra loose for the game. And I guess apparently massages, massages like push all the fluid out of your muscles or whatever is what these guys said. And so we cramped up for the first push time we're in the state championship game. Um, but anyway. That's why um, Roddy cramped up at the bar last night. <laughs> right. <laughs> I got a massage. I sure did. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, no, he, you know, he plays qu- quarterback for Swainsboro. Um, you know, he, he was two of three passing for like, 80 yards and two touchdowns. He had a perfect throw down the sideline while he was getting hit. Um, it's interesting because when I saw him in the state championship, he played more safety. And obviously, Georgia doesn't have any safety. So we've been talking about, well, maybe DeMello Jones could end up playing safety. And while that still could be, he's playing a lot more corner for Swainsboro now. He's lining up on both sides of the field. And he told me after the game, his assignment is essentially go find the other team's best receiver and lock him down. And you know, he didn't have a single ball thrown at him all game the other night until the final like two or three minutes in Washington County, which is kind of slinging it all over the place. So, um, you know, he had the huge hit that we posted where he was, flips him up and f- makes a fumble. He had the other one on the sideline where he, you know, sits back and charges up on the screen and and knocks the kid out of bounds. He he's a special special player. He, I was I was looking forward to seeing him in his senior year because again the last time i saw him was state championship he was a junior he was still you know his recruitment had really just kind of blown up at that point um and he he showed why georgia wants him really bad and he said look they want me and i want to go there and that feels really good you know we're talking about that validation stuff georgia was one of his first offers in november um first big offers anyway and and that that means a lot to have for this early belief for these guys, Tay Harris is another one. Georgia showed that early belief in him was his first power five offer and he commits two weeks later. You know, when you've got a school like Georgia that shows that early belief, especially when other big schools haven't yet, it it, it means a lot to this kid and it meant a lot to Jamelo Jones. It, it takes a lot for Georgia to offer uh, in-state kids as well. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, they put you through the ringer with camps and, and all that stuff, having to uh, come right. and press. So. Um. Yeah, Demelo Jones is a special athlete. What is there anybody you compare him to? I mean, him uh, playing so, quarterback in high school, him playing defense, uh, kind of reminds I mean, you of a little Nicole Hardman ish. Or a little bit like you know Malachi Starks was a guy I thought of while I was watching him. You know, Malachi, his was different because he was like the option quarterback, but he just he makes plays everywhere. Like I've never seen a kid like he had a three play stretch where he had like a thirty yard touchdown run. He forced a fumble on that kid. And uh, and then he threw a 50-yard touchdown pass. That was three plays in a row. Like, I've never <laughs> seen a kid, I mean, just literally take over a game like that. I mean, he – I think he scored or threw the first, like, four or five touchdowns for, for Swainsboro. Like, he, he – you know, when you talk about putting a team on your back, DeMello Jones put the team on his back. I mean, it was, it was one of the – from a pure – I mean, it was one of the more impressive high school performances I've seen – in, in the couple of years I've been doing this. Put, putting the team on the back kind of sounds like Nicarish is doing these days. Uh, Ooh, that was yeah. a smooth transition. Wow. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to be the host. 
That was beautiful. Damn. All right, Trent, you got to talk about him now. <laughs> you got to talk about him. That was that was subtle too. Yes. So, uh, Nikar, tell us about Nikar. Uh, I mean. What was it? Four, hey, four touchdowns, eleven receptions, one hundred and fifty-two yards. That's two hundred and eighty-eight yards in the past two weeks, and um, uh, six touchdowns. Yeah, averaging three touchdowns a game. All, all, I mean, all six of them receiving. So, yeah, I would say that's good. That, that's nuts. Um, I want to see Quintavious Johnson Jr. and also. Um, did you get a weight on him? Yeah, I did not. Uh, we well, actually we did. I need to put. In, I didn't put in the story. Our intern wrote it up, but so when I say I did not, it wasn't me personally. But um, he is a lot. He's uh, two fifty five, but he was played in a really odd position. It kind of blew my mind. They're in a, a, a odd front, uh, sometimes tight, sometimes wide. Um, and he's out at basically a star position. I can imagine six foot four and a half, six foot five, 255 pounds covering a slot receiver. And, I'm like, and, and they had a slot receiver who was about five foot two. They were both wearing number three. And this kid is, he is not a big kid for uh, Douglas County. Now he, he could ball. He, he caught a lot of passes. He's a great little athlete, but uh, uh, it was just weird to see a Georgia defensive end commit basically playing the star. You know, it was playing like a Red Robin, you know, from Coach Donovan's time. Just uh, unusual. And then everyone towards the end of the game, they they bring him into the three-man front, and he'd be in a four-eye technique or something like that. But it was just really uh, odd to see him out there basically just shutting down one side of the field because they, they didn't want to run to that side because nobody could block him. But uh, And he wasn't really – and he was playing press. He just pressed him on the line that he wouldn't run with him because, I mean, he can't run with some of those uh, small, fast guys. Uh, one of the guys he hit, tried to cover was Aaron Gregory, the 2026 uh, four-star wide receiver. And, of course, Gregory looks across, sees this guy, and runs an inside slant and catches the ball, picks up a uh, first down. I mean, you're going to be able to catch passes against the defensive end. But uh, a lot of times he just knocked people to the ground. And I just asked uh, Aaron Gregory, I'm like, what's it like when you see him? He's like, yeah, I was catching the ball, and I kind of hunched up because I thought he was going to hit me. And then when he didn't hit me, I'm like, oh, I'm free. So, uh, But he did hit a lot of people. And – Mays got up on Douglas County early in the first half when they, when they went to halftime. When they came out, uh, Douglas County went on a run, scored like 35 points in a row. And what Mays did was move uh, Quintavious Johnson Jr. back to quarterback and just would direct snap to him. And then he just run through the line, score a touchdown, uh, run through the line, score a two-point conversion. Uh, then they started crowding the line, of course, because, well, Get, got to put bodies over there, stop him. Then he started throwing it. He threw, threw like a 40-yard bomb and then threw another pass for a, a touchdown and then uh, made, the, made the defense play honest. He scored four touchdowns and three extra points um, when they moved into offense. I'm just thinking this is a defensive end commit playing slot corner and a quarterback. This, we have him ranked really low for some of the, amongst Georgia's other commits, but as an athlete, I was like, damn, this guy can play. It's so funny when, like, you see that kid who, you know, in, in recess or whatever, he's so much better than everybody and just does everything good. That that those people still exist even at that level. Like, oh, yeah, sure, play quarterback. Oh, sure, play, you know, play the slot, play defensive. Like, he can do everything. And like you said, Rada, he's – I want to say he's a three-star for us or maybe an unranked four-star. Four 
when he committed, it, it was kind of out of nowhere. You know, he, he came for the scavenger hunt um, in May and then came on an official visit and committed, I think, the Monday or Tuesday after his official. And we were all just kind of like, uh, what? And, and then, you know, come to find out he worked out for the coaches and impressed. And and like you like you said, Trent, they they make you earn it with these in-state kids. They will work you out really hard. And, and he's, you know, he's he's so athletic. You can play him at outside linebacker. You can have him with his hand in the dirt. Uh, I mean, that 255 weight you mentioned, Roddy, that's one where you could kind of – like it almost makes me think of a Robert Beal type, maybe, depending on what they do with his weight when he gets there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the athleticism is, is the kind of thing you can't, you can't teach. I mean, that's, and I, I, I mean, like you, you were talking, you were talking to us when you were there. I didn't really know he had that, had that kind of athleticism in him either. And he, yeah, has, so you, this is freaky stuff. Yeah. So we, we've got the video up on the thing here for those listening to the uh, podcast. Uh, you need to watch this on YouTube and you see it. So you, you see him barreling through people. And this is not a small team. It's not like he's playing, you know, Athens Christian. He's playing Douglas County. They, they scored 35 points in a row on him. And he just keeps lining it up. And here you can see he just rumbled into the end zone. He uh, gets the straight snap and just pushes a guy off. And, he's, again, it, it looks like a man playing amongst boys. And No one even touches him. Yeah, I, I spoke to the uh, defensive coordinator for uh, Douglas County. He's like, yeah, he's a, he's a specimen. You just got to get back there, grab a hold of him, and pray something good happens. Like, <laughs> yeah, just. And his arms ain't big at all. No. <laughs> and look, so, and he throws, you know, just to, to keep him honest. So, uh, yeah, he's not going to be a starting quarterback anytime soon, but um, that's just maybe a kid that we need to re, uh, uh, reassess on the rankings there, Jed. We know you're in charge of it. Yeah, there's a little number three that he just demolishes. I mean, I feel bad for this kid. That's not fair. Uh, look at this. Donk. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of effortless when he just pushes him. Yeah. And like I said, sometimes he put his hand in the dirt, and uh, he does have a really bad miss here. Whoop. Yeah, I need to wrap up there. But if one thing that uh, Glenn Schumann, Chidera, who's at a Kirby Smart, Dan Lanning, they can teach him how to tackle, no question. So, I, um, and again, I did see Aaron Gregory, uh, a very talented wide receiver. He was actually the player of the game. He had two touchdowns, although, to be fair, Quintavious Johnson had four, but his team lost. So, you, apparently, you can't be player of the game. And Aaron Gregory said, uh, I asked him a little bit about Georgia here. I said, are you hearing from him? He goes, yeah, I hear from him a lot, but then not a lot. What, what, what does that mean? So, he does hear from Georgia, but – uh, it's it's not consistent apparently, and then I said, well, you know, does uh, who who do you like? And he mentioned USC because of the way they use their wide receivers. Ohio State because likes the way they use their wide receivers. And so, what about Georgia? He's like, well, Georgia likes to run the ball a lot, and they tend to win with their defense a lot. So, I think Georgia has a ways to go to convince Aaron Gregory that uh, they would use him as a wide receiver a lot. So, I think that, that might. That, uh... That pitch is still floating around there that Georgia runs the ball a lot. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Hey, maybe this is the year Mike Bobo shows him, you know. It's like, hey, we're going to throw it. But, but, again, and he said, literally, that's my perception. Because, you know, he was very – he's a very smart young man. He's like, I, I may be wrong. But it's just, you know, you're asking me what perception is in my head, and that's it. So, um, it's still out there. 
I mean, a lot of these kids grew up watching uh, football um, through elementary school and middle school. Um, so that's what they saw during those days. And, yeah. and when you see something over a six or seven year span, it doesn't matter what happens in a couple of years. That's what sticks in your head. That this will happen. And then it also doesn't hurt that other schools are telling you that Georgia just runs the ball. So yeah. <laughs> like said, the formative years, I mean, Aaron Gregory is, he's a sophomore, so he's, let's just say 16. Formative years would be like, you know, 2013 or 2014 to about 2020. And that's like the meat of the end of the rigged era. And then the early Baton Balta Kirby era was, yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the perception. Like when you do it for so long, it, it, it takes a while to uh, erase that kind of thing. You know, you'll see Georgia running for 320 yards or whatever in the, in the Rose bowl. And, you know, all that that's what sticks in people's heads more yes. so than the twenty seventeen. What was he? Uh, he's a sophomore, so five years ago he's eleven. Yeah. So I mean yeah, just watching Nick Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle. And I mean the fact that they have three running backs committed in this class. <laughs> Like, okay. I mean, if you're looking at, hey, what's Georgia have right now? Did they have three five-star wide receivers? No, but they got three of the best running backs in the country. Are they not going to use them two years from now when I get there? Cash is going to be Heisman. (laughs) I'd love to see it. Uh, did we see anybody else? Justin Justin Green um, at Mountain View. He's another defensive end. Um, he's a little undersized, but he does get after an excellent pass rusher. Played against Gainesville this past Friday night and, and really got Gainesville out of their throwing game um, early in the game, which is, you know, Gainesville went to the state championship last year, um, you know, lost in the state championship, but they they like to throw the ball. They like to throw the ball around the yard, and they got him out of that passing game um, early in the game because of the pressure um, that Justin Green, I think he recorded two sacks. In the second half, they gained some more downhill running, and um, I noticed they started putting two hats on uh, Justin Green, and, <laughs> and it was – uh, he had a little bit of tough time, you know. He, he had some he had some opportunities where he you know tracked some plays down behind behind the runner and and was able to get the quarterback down. Um, but he he is he, he's very fast, has some work to do in the run game, um, plays a little high at times. So he's probably exhausted in the second half when he was playing a little high. But um, excellent pass rusher. I think yeah, what Georgia's getting out of him is is somebody that can um, be a very good pass rusher, but needs to put on some weight to get to that um, five tech spot. I think he's two, between 260 and 265. I went and saw, uh, you know, this is a home game for the newspaper, but we've got a kid named Kevin Wynn at uh, Green County, um, same school as Josh Nesbitt, throwback from Georgia Tech in the mid-2000s. Uh, he recently got an offer from uh, USC, I believe it was last Friday. So he's uh, his recruitment's kind of picking up. He's six foot four, three 320-pound nose guard as a junior, um, very disruptive. Um I know Rodney and I, you and I talked today about he, how he, uh, you know, he he came to a seven on seven camp with his team and he did uh, work out with Trey Scott and some other high school players and impressed and then earned an offer right after that. He's someone, you know, maybe to watch, maybe not in Georgia, but he does have that Georgia offer. And he told me that, you know, he he hears from them, you know, pretty, pretty regularly. And he's about 45 minute drive. So, you know, he's up in Athens a lot. And he told me that he would like to make a visit. Uh you know, up here soon. He's, uh, I believe he's the reigning region defensive player of the year. Um, 
like 65 tackles, 25 tackles for loss, six or seven sacks last year in like eight or nine games as a sophomore. So he's a person that I watched this past yeah. Friday. Uh, Jed, I want to hear about this LaDamian Guyton. I've, I've very seldom heard you rave about somebody like that. Yeah, uh, well, you know, as the official the number one player guy, in the country. Yeah, as the official rankings guy, my standards are, are really, really high. Um, <laughs> and, you know, this Guyton kid, I honestly forgot that he played for Savannah Christian, um, but he is a 2027 kid, high school freshman, uh, earned an offer at Georgia this summer at a camp. And, Wait, so before his senior year? I mean, before his freshman year? Yeah, before he'd ever played it down in high school football, Georgia. And Georgia is still his only offer. Kind of like it. Elijah Griffin. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and, and unless he's earned one like today, Georgia's his only offer still. Um, and he flies around the edge, man. He is super athletic. He he had two, um, you know, where he burned down the field on kickoff coverage, tackled a kid, um, just penetrating into the backfield, tackles for loss around the – and again, you know, I, I preface this by saying it wasn't the greatest competition, but he looked – at times he looked like – the best player on the field. And that's with the number one kid in the class, two classes above him. Um, he, you're talking about Georgia, you know, family feel, that kind of stuff. He went to a Nolan Smith football camp when he was in seventh grade, uh, which I guess really wasn't that long ago for him. But, uh, <laughs> but he was like, you know, everyone knows he's, he said, again, talking about this validation thing. When you say Georgia Bulldogs, everybody knows who that is. It rings a bell for everybody. Um, so, you know, this is a kid who I think has, you know, Nolan Smith was a, I mean, Trent, what was he, like the number three player in the country on rivals or something in, that, in his class, five-star or whatever. I mean, this Guyton kid has all that potential. Now, the question is, what what does his future look like? Because he sees six, I think, 6'3", 220 pounds. As does he grow into a five-tech does he stay more in that 235 range and be more of an outside linebacker? That's the question. Not to say he won't be good either way. It's just a matter of, of how he, he kind of develops and everything. But as far as talent, dude, he's, I'm telling you, he was extremely, extremely impressive. There's not many kids that go from 6'3", 220 to 290 before their senior in high school. I, yeah. You're probably looking at some, some type of linebacker inside, outside um, would be my guess. I mean, if he grows two inches and puts on 25 pounds, you're looking at a 6'5", what, 255-pound kid? 45. But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. There's, and, again, that's not to say he won't be a good player. Either yeah, way. I mean, he's I still got know. his biggest growth years are ahead of him. I mean, yeah, that size, good. you could be the elite tight end at Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. I mean, he, he, was, he was very, 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 very impressive. Yeah, I love it. All right, let's uh, hit up some of the questions from the vault at ugasports.com. Let me bring those in real quick. And we'll start right off the bat with uh, from uh, JSong17. What's your favorite high school stadiums to watch a game at? That's a good one. I don't know, man. I like these smaller, sm not smaller stadiums, but smaller towns. Like I remember I went to a playoff game at Calhoun when Cole Spear was there. That was a great one. Um, you know, Cedartown. I went to Cedartown when they played Rock Mart. It was a big rivalry. That was a really good one. Uh, I mean, Colquitt County was a good one. Yeah. Although, Roddy, you were telling me about how it used to be a nightmare to get in and out of there, uh, traffic-wise, the other day. So, yeah, I mean, the small – I mean, the the smaller 
town ones like that or, or the ones I really like. See, I don't think so much about the stadium as about the the game itself. You know, if you go watch uh, uh, Mary Persons play that that rivalry game down there, uh, go watch Valdosta Lounge. You know, right. mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, Cedar Town Rockmart. Yeah, Cedar Town Rockmart, uh, Buford Gainesville. You know, just yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's it's those fun ones. I think probably the prettiest one I've seen was uh, a year or two ago going up to. Uh, Raven County up in the mountains and just catching like the, the best sunset as it's going down and then watching Gunner Stockton through like seven, eight touchdowns. And I was like coldest I've ever been, but just a beautiful stadium because it's so high up and you look out over the, uh, the view there's really nice. But to me, it, it could be, if you could have a beautiful stadium, but if it's again, if it's 56 to seven, you know, I'm like, no, oh, this isn't fun. But my favorite one is got, who's got the best rivalry when it's just, uh, I mean, but perfect example, the Lakeview Stadium or Henderson Stadium, some of the city stadiums in Atlanta, you're like, okay, no one team owns this. But when you have two of the Atlanta powerhouses facing each other and the bands are going crazy and the cheerleaders are loud and all the fans are so into it, that to me is when it's great. I enjoyed going to Milton a couple of years ago. They got a nice field. Um, you know, all these private, you know, Christian schools like a um, the – I hate bill charters. I mean, all, all these, all these type of schools. Um, my mind's going Westminster and all these schools. Got, they have nice fields. Um, trying Even to. Think, I mean, I've wasted a lot of time at Buford since Isaac. Uh, since <laughs> Isaac Nauta. Uh, they got a nice field, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wasted your time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I have wasted been an hour there too. <laughs> going going way back. It was way back to when when I, you first started at Rob. Okay, yeah, met thing. you over there. Yeah, who did we see that night? Um Damn it, that's gonna bug me. That was a big what did it look like? Ben Cleveland? No. Who was over there? Stevens played at Buford. I can't remember. I can't remember. Hey, yeah. I went, went to Nauta Boy. I don't even remember when these guys were in high school. Twenty Nauta was like 2014, 2016, 2013 to 2016, something like that. In the, the Granite Bowl, when we were covering um, McCall yeah. Hardman. That's nice. That's a good place. I was going to say the Granite Bowl or Thompson, the Brickyard. Um, I, I was, You know, when the first question popped up, the first place I thought of was Thompson going down there to see uh, – uh, Jordan Davis, tight end, and it was um, love loved uh, going down there. But the Granite Bowl, I probably had the best barbecue sandwich ever. And just walking in, and someone's like, "Hey, you want a sandwich?" I'm like, Hell yeah, I want a sandwich. <laughs> I was thinking just like a regular sandwich. They handed me one of the best damn barbecue sandwiches I've ever eaten in my life. I went to go see Justice Terry last year, and in the end zone, there was a, a like a, a traffic light set up. I was like, oh, what's the story here? And this guy told me, you know, whoever came to play Manchester in a playoff game, and they said they called the head coach at Manchester for directions. And like, yeah, go down this road, whatever, and then take a right at the stoplight and then prepare to get your ass whooped. And so they got <laughs> like that's that's the backstory. And I was like, this is this is good stuff. This is yeah, that's the good stuff. I, I kind of enjoy going to uh, these football stadiums I have 
the bands and the you know the, the band playing that, that just mm-hmm. get crazy and then you start dancing around um it's kind of are you oh, speaking of band stories and i know we're right. we'll get to the next question here uh so i was in the maze douglas county game two fantastic bands and it was 102 degrees super super hot they did their they got to halftime both bands performed with all their uh, dancers in shorts and t-shirts which was smart because it was hot as nine hells the night before apparently calhoun showed up in their normal band attire with the big uh, fuzzy hats and the uh, the policeman that i was speaking to said it looked like they had their winter gear on because they had the big coats the long coats and he said now this is again i can't verify this, but he said about 40 kids passed out from the heat that previous night. So I'm like, I'm with you. I like the bands, but Hey, let's not, uh, let's not try to melt the band kids in the first couple of weeks of, uh, the season. So somebody has looked at that. I, uh, pine tree one says, uh, will Quintavious Johnson be the lone outside linebacker signing in this class? I know Uza Deribe signed a monster class last year at that position group. Tough one there, Trent, Jed, and Lance. Who else are they going to get at outside linebacker? Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, I think a couple of these guys, you know, you could maybe have a Joseph Jonah Janye stand up on occasion. Um, but, you know, spots are pretty pretty uh, slim there. So I think they're focused more on, like I said, those five tech guys who can occasionally play um, – that outside linebacker spot. I mean, they looked at a few guys, like Christopher Jackson was one they looked at. Um, you know, Dylan Stewart, I think, probably would have played that role a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I think it's more – they wanted to hit that five-tech spot a little more in this class, I think. And you don't really have any, any outside linebackers coming off the roster. Uh, you know, Chas Jambliss is the only upperclassman in that room. You have a bunch of – I mean, you have um, Marvin Jones. I mean, you have – you know, a sophomore and, and a bunch of freshmen, and and you know, I, you just don't have a lot of people coming. So, you got a bunch of guys that can uh, in in this class, or you got a you know, the two two linebackers in this class could could move out there for pass rushing situations. I think um, Justin Williams and Christopher Jones are guys that could you know speed rush at times, but I don't think you know there is a huge need for outside linebacker adding an additional outside linebacker in this class. Mm-hmm. My question to you, Trent, would be: Would Chris Cole, if he does commit, would he? Could he, you know, go out there in the pass rushing situation, you know, on like say second, third down? Well, somebody that was six two, one ninety five a year ago, and now he's six four, two twenty five. Yeah. I think. Uh, I mean, is he done growing? I mean, he very well could end up growing into an outside linebacker. Um, uh, I, they're recruiting him on the inside, but he's a, he's a definitely a guy that could is versatile enough to, uh, you know, I've mentioned him even a guy that could move out and play some star. So he, he's definitely a guy that they can move around and, and, you know, play at various spots. Nice. All right. Uh, next question. Uh, this one from medical dog. Um, I, I like having a medical dog on here. He's the back-to-back vent medical consultant. We appreciate uh, he or she being a member of the vault it says, how are our recruits and commits from out West doing is Mater D now UGA's Western training ground. Did they playing ball out there yet? I know that uh, some of the kids don't start off until like September 2nd. I believe they start Saturday because there was some confusion because there's a Mater Day Catholic that played, was it on ESPN this past week? Yeah, not the same thing. Uh, I think they Mater did. Day played Sunday. Yeah, because I, I saw um, 
you know, there was a clip of that Aiden Breland put out that was like hype video or whatever. And in said video, he had a Georgia headband on. So uh, they at least had a scrimmage or uh, or something. I mean, you talk about recruits. He's kind of the big one. Defensive lineman, three tech at modern day. Um, Georgia looked and we talked about status quo earlier. I mean, Georgia looks good and has for a while. And we don't really know when he's going to commit. I mean, he could commit. Like before the end of the show, we could commit, you know, in, in a month. We just we don't really know. But uh, what we do know is is Georgia really likes where it sits with them because they battle, you know, Oregon and you know, a couple others. All right. Um, well, we will have the following the future, hopefully at the first part of every week. Ahem. Sorry. <laughs> uh, we did have one last week. It was really nice. It's basically any of the uh, Georgia commits and some targets we think that they will eventually land, we will have a, it's a story called Following the Future, and it has their stats and how they're doing. So, uh, you know, it's a pretty neat feature. We've been doing it for 14 years. It's been a really long time that we've been doing it. So well over a decade, and we will have that at the, uh, usually we'll have it the first couple of days of the week, but uh, Trent's got family <laughs> things to deal with. With that. Yeah. No, it's really just tracking down all these stats because you did. <laughs> well, that help when the whole family's sick or has been, you know. Well, that would, yeah. Um, that nah, is just another situation. School yeah. started. They bring all kind of germs home. Do you let your kids more. go to school? Come on, man. Well, I, you know. Don't I, even make them wear a mask. I should. <laughs> I from uh, KSDJ1869. Really like to know what's behind all that uh, that username there, but uh, the question is: I didn't see L.J. McCray in the recent story for Georgia's predicted signing class. Are we out of the running with him? If so, where is he likely headed? So he wasn't in the predicted signing class, and that was also the question for the original Texas dog. So he, uh, L.J. McCray wasn't in the signing class. I anticipated him to be there, given where we are. What's the latest on where he will land? In your opinion, thanks, Jens. I, I personally still think he can land in Georgia's class. I'm just not confident enough to predict him to Georgia's class, and I don't think he's made a decision on where he wants to go. I think Florida's a big school in it. Georgia's in it. it it's really just the Florida schools in Georgia, and um, I, I think Georgia's very much in it. You, know, you wouldn't have seen him on campus the last weekend in July. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Georgia was able to get him on campus, and uh, I think Georgia has a legit shot here. Uh, I'm just not confident enough to put him in that predicted class yet. Yeah, I mean, I know Georgia feels confident like it has made up some ground because everyone, when um, – who am I missing? Who's the five tech that went uh, elsewhere? Stone? Um, who? David Stone? No, anyway, Georgia has turned a lot of its attention to LJ McCray as kind of that defensive line guy. <laughs> You're talking about the five-star. Am I? How about Missouri? Oh, uh, Winery, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the number one defensive player in the class is uh, is the guy whose name I just forgot. But, um, yeah, Georgia has kind of looked to McCray now as, as the guy to add at that position. So, I know Georgia feels like it's made up some ground, um, like you said, Trent, on those Florida schools who have been in it for a while. If, if he is, in fact, committing in October, which is kind of what it looks like, it'll be interesting to see what – September and the early part of October look like as far as do, do people get him back on campus? You know, obviously Georgia got him uh, at the end of July. Does he get back to Athens for a game? Does he 
you know, prioritize getting to the Florida school since he was just at Georgia. Like, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out um, in the the weeks leading up to what what it, when his decision could be there in uh, in October. Well, you mentioned uh, Richard mentioned the Florida schools. Wasn't he born in Fort Lauderdale? Um, I know Miami might have a huge you know, draw there, and he was at Miami over the summer. So I feel like that, you know, he if he was going to a Florida school, would he go to Miami? That's my big – that's my just biggest question is since he – since that's kind of a, uh, a home – kind of like a home his, – his hometown pretty much. I personally feel like Georgia and Florida were the two – top schools in the mix and Florida State and Miami are both in it as well. But I think, I mean, if I was choosing right now, I, I would say he would choose between Georgia and Florida, but um, you know, things could change. We'll see, see, see what campuses he gets on. He could very well visit all three Miami games in September and there'll probably be three Miami losses, but I want to. Well, um, Miami has that huge, they got the big Texas A&M game. So that's the big environment that, you know, such as it is with Miami, uh, that you could get him in. So, um, you know, Florida, I don't know if Florida has any big home games early in the year, but, um, you know, again, it'll be interesting to see who can get him on campus as, as this thing really kind of comes out of the wire. All right. Uh, let's move on. Uh, question from Ghost of Crowell. Uh, is, is Bama a triple option team now? Yes. Okay. Yeah. There Second question uh, from Big Fatty ninety four: Who's a player you knew was going to be a stud and then kind of flamed out? Hundred percent can tell you the one that Roddy's going to say, but um, no, you you don't. Yes, because you and Clay Webb were boys. <laughs> we were tight, but he didn't flame out. He got injured. So, <laughs> uh, Rashad Roundtree out of Evans. Yeah, but he wasn't that good in high school. Jed just ranked him too high. <laughs> I, I would. I didn't have. Jed, Jed was like twelve. Then. No, no. I'll, I'll take the rap for uh, Quintavious Johnson. I'm not. I'm not falling on that. I'm, I'm trying to think. I thought he was going to be. Uh, well, again, you know, he actually had to hang it up early because due to injuries. So again, that's even that's not fair to say the guy flamed out. But yeah, I did expect. Uh, uh, I mean, I thought Marwin Brown would have a bigger career at Georgia. Um, yeah. You know, he's kind of the, the next A.J. Green coming in because he was that next five-star wide receiver. And But, I mean, you look at it now, and Georgia's just got so much depth. It, you, you're going to see every year that, you know, four- and five-star guys are not playing, and but they just transfer out now. And it's hard to, to keep up with everybody that's transferred out. Um, there's been there's been several uh, – I'm trying to think back to um, oh, uh, Devod Wilson. Mm. Devod, uh, remember he came in. He's early enrollee. He comes to Georgia. He's actually getting snaps with the number one defense, having been on campus what three months at a cornerback. Tears his ACL. Doesn't work out for him. Transfers. I think uh, Central Florida, wherever he went. He's but, on the NFL uh, roster, isn't he? He's on Miami. He, he, yeah, uh, there was a picture of him and uh, 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 Tyson together on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Exactly. And it's like there's a picture of them two of them in the end zone at Georgia together. And then there's a picture of the two of them uh, in the end zone at Jacksonville together. I need to see if he made the roster. Weren't the cuts today? Yeah, today or tomorrow. Yeah, I, I would really – crossing my fingers for him. That would be a uh, – that kid went through a lot. Another and, one would be – 
you know, Trammel Terry. Uh, I know his, his injuries related as well, but he was going to be a stud coming in. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, this is not one that went to Georgia, and it was one we talked about all the time. It's Aubrey Solomon. I thought he was going to be a flipping stud. And, you know, went to Michigan, transferred to Tennessee, never really panned out as much of anything. And I thought he was going to be. I know. Now, here's uh, from a damn beast media. Shout out. This is a good call because this wasn't so much injury as not. This is a guy we thought would be an absolute badass. I thought we'd see more from Richard Samuel. Um, yeah, and he did have that great series against Florida. Remember, he was the only healthy back there for a while. And he got tackled by the 20-yard line at least 17 times during his career. But this was the guy that's like, hey, you're a linebacker. Oh, we need you back at running back. Oh, we need you back at linebacker. That kid got jerked around. You know, I felt really bad for him. If he'd come in and stay at one spot, I think he could have been a monster. Feel bad for him. But again, that wasn't uh, so much injury as change of positions too many times. Was it Josh Harvey Clemens? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess he, he he played a good amount, but he was going to be that next. Hey, yeah. Trey Matthews as well. Trey was going to be the man. They, they were both in the. Um, they were both in the play of batting it up to an Auburn player. Well, Matt Landers. Every spring, we thought he was going to be the answer to uh, Georgia's wide receiver needs. Oh, oh, Coley loved him. Yeah. When it said Tyreek Stevenson, you know, he, even though he ended up transferring, I mean, he made sort of an impact here, but I mean, he was. No, oh, yeah. I got it. I got it. I got it. the end all be all. Trent Thompson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the answer. Unfortunate. That, that was, if he comes back for a senior year, he's got some. Yeah, things probably be a little different. I know uh, I, that that was one that just broke my heart. Oh, I fucking Rick Gilbert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the best I've ever seen. It, yeah, that's anyway. It's a good thing. The way Rochester was one of the best I've ever seen, and he he definitely accounted for eighteen years in college. Who's that? Julian Rochester. Oh yeah, Julian. But it's not like we were expecting Julian to be an all-world guy, but. Julian is an all-world person. I mean, he's an all-world guy. I mean, he's he, he's been <laughs> he's been in college for a long, long time. I don't know. Although we did see him and um, uh, remember Notori Johnson when we had him at the Rivals thing. The uh, we had two teams tied, and they decided to have a, a forty-yard dash to uh, pick the winner. And they let Notori Johnson run it, and he almost won against. Like, he could fly. Yeah, against a uh, skill guy. So you got a defensive offensive lineman. Uh, running 40 against like a wide receiver. He almost wins it for his team. Uh, Julian Rochester makes these ridiculous one-handed catches. Those guys are really talented, but they didn't quite blow up like we wanted to. And I feel bad. Kind of, I'm not, yeah. I don't feel like we're ripping on these guys, but I answer the question. There was no matter how much hype they come out, and we can look at this list of Georgia commits, you never know how it's going to pan out. Rochester lined up a tight end oh, at, at wide receiver from McEachern. Yeah, I remember that. That was a riot. I uh, question from Andy Snow said I noticed Trent removed Jeremiah Smith from his updated class prediction. Did something change? Uh, just that I felt that Georgia was going to be the team that um, that was going to be able to, uh, 
if something happened with Ohio State's, you know, wide receiver coach and he elected to go elsewhere, I thought Georgia was the fallback plan. And I think that's changed to a couple other schools in front of Georgia being that fallback plan at the, at the time. Yeah, true. I've heard, I've heard likewise, like Georgia is no longer – they were in it for a long time, but they're – I don't say they've cut their losses, but it's that's not going to happen. So, All right. Uh, that's all the questions we have for this week. Any other things you guys want to touch on before we bolt out here? Uh, I think my new uh, 2025 rankings come out this week. So uh, <laughs> my new rankings. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, there'll be plenty of Georgia, um, you know, commits, targets, whatever. Um, and that interested to see, uh, or I'm not interested to see anything because I know what it is, but interested for y'all to see uh, where Justice Terry ends up. And um, yeah, you know, we're back on the road. This weekend, you know, I'm, I'm going to Alabama to watch IMG and Ellis Robinson play because Ellis Robinson had a fantastic game on ESPN the other night. He's insane. I've tried to tell him. He's insane. In Pennsylvania, he is phenomenal. So, seeing him, uh, there's a receiver, Donovan Alagbodi, who, who George is interested in. And, you know, there's a running back, Donovan Johnson. I don't know how much he'll play with, with the guys in front of him. So, always a ton of talent at IMG. And then Thompson's got this 2027 quarterback kid who – is is a phenom and for for those who might remember led thompson to the state championship last year um or at least played in the state championship so uh yeah we'll, we'll be all over the place and you know keep it stay tuned to the to the vault for updates uh, real quick before you uh bolt out of here uh john want to know what happened with julian lewis and do you think his recruitment is closed uh or and will he reclassify to 2025 i thought that was that was kind of some news that broke like right after we did the show last week didn't it uh tuesday morning yeah, out of nowhere. Um, you know, and and like you said, Roddy, I'm not shocked you chose USC. I'm kind of I was surprised by when it happened, just because it was kind of, you know, he's been. It's just weird that he was hyped for so long, and then it's it's you know just like that. It's it's over on a random Tuesday morning. But I don't know. I've I've heard the, the 2025 stuff. I don't I don't know. Um, I just don't. I thought for a while that it wouldn't end up at Georgia. I just didn't didn't get that vibe. Uh, that he would end up at, at Georgia. Um, you know, I'm sure, I mean, he's got, what, two years, four signs if he doesn't reclassify. So it, I'm sure his recruitment's not over. I mean, schools don't give up on a kid uh, like that, but I, I don't think it'll uh, it'll be Georgia. And I could be wrong, um, but when you look at, you know, USC from a quarterback's perspective has got that combination of quarterback stats and, and accolades and stuff, and they've got, anything and everything you could ever want from an NIL perspective too. So I get why you choose it as a quarterback. Um, so I don't, I don't think, I don't believe Julian Lewis will end up at Georgia. I've been wrong uh, before, but I, uh, I don't see it. What, and, and if, if he reclassifies to 2025, that hurts Georgia's case even more, but um, either way, I don't think it'll be a bulldog in the end. Well, we know USC spends money on the, or NIL money on quarterbacks and defense tackles. So. Yeah. Right. Hey, very true. And, in Juju's case, you would you'd need uh, Delta to step up, Home Depot, you know, some of the Atlanta-based businesses to step up because that is it would take a something more than what Kirby Smart's willing to do. Mm-hmm. So. He very well could be the highest NIL player yeah. ever when it when it hits. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, that that would not shock me at all. So I just don't see that happening. Uh, we did have a very good story at UJSports.com last week. You, you hit the uh, archives there. Just hit go to the front page of UJSports.com, hit more. 
um, under the, you know, you'll see the stories across the top and then more, and you'll see the one other 2026 options from our very own Jed May uh, guys are looking for looking at, plus uh, you had an update with another 2026 quarterback just this past weekend. So uh, yeah, Juju's out, but there are a lot of other options that you can check out at ugasports.com. All right, guys, uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in. For Trent, Lance, Jed, and myself, we will see you next uh, Monday at 7.30, or excuse me, at 8.30, and we will be talking about uh, maybe some of the kids that arrived at Georgia and visited over the weekend. So uh, we'll have a lot to talk about next week. We'll see you then. <laughs>